Welcome, everyone, to the Ready for the Draft podcast. I am your host, Greg Schutz. This is episode 15 of the 2023 podcast series, where we take a look at the draft-eligible prospects and get you ready for the NFL draft. The last podcast, we actually did a preview for the bowl season. So we're, we're a little bit behind the eight ball. I know bowl season ended on January 9th, crowning Georgia as the college football champions really much deserved they were the best college football team in all of america for the majority of the 2022 college football season and uh, really what we need to do is get a quick recap of the bowl season get a half hour or so talking about who really stood out in the bowl that's helped themselves with their, their draft process you know a lot of guys sat out the bowl season so we'll, there'll be a lot of conversation there we'll need to get into talking about the underclassmen and what that does for this draft class and then really start jumping into the all-star games take a look at my first mock draft and then get ready for uh, you know really that senior bowl is going to be the biggest matchup where you're taking a look at a lot of these guys that are going to be factors in the first couple of days of the draft and beyond and then we'll get into the combine and really into the pre-draft process, taking a look at free agency and how that might impact things as well. So that's kind of a look ahead as to what you can expect. But when we really look at the bowl season, we're going to go position by position, really take a look at some of the players that, that helped their draft stock. And I'll tell you, the first and foremost, when we look at the quarterback position, Bryce Young did it again. You know, what I thought what was impressive for both him and uh, Will Anderson, these are guys that could potentially be two of the top three picks in this year's draft, and yet they still wanted to come out and play the bowl game. They wanted one more game with their teammates. And Bryce Young, look, he, he did it all. You know, Again, over 300 yards passing, five touchdown passes. This was a guy who just the, the calm, under pressure, just ice water in his veins, coolly just moving in the pocket, being able to manipulate it. Keep those eyes down the field, find the open receivers, throws those receivers open, and just does a great job with the eye discipline, really uh, moving defenders whenever he needed to. Bryce Young, to me, really solidified himself as the number one quarterback in this year's draft. When you look at C.J. Stroud, C.J. Stroud, I think, probably had the best... Uh, performance of the season there in the Peach Bowl against Georgia. Now, obviously, Georgia, uh, you know, came out with the victory, but it wasn't due to a lack of effort on the part of, of C.J. Stroud. You know, this was a guy, again, uh, running that offense to perfection, a guy that uh, does a great job with a lot of those crossing routes, throwing his receivers open, allowing them to make a play after the catch. Uh, you, you love his ability to uh, survey the field, go through his progressions, uh, the touch passes, really being able to layer those throws, find the open man, and be able to drop that ball in. Uh, you know, really just that pinpoint accuracy is is really impressive to watch coming out of, of C.J. Stroud. I know one of the biggest polarizing uh, things with him is is that arm strength or lack thereof. You know, this is a guy that can't really push the ball down the field, but I'll tell you what. Joe Burrow is one of the best quarterbacks in being able to manipulate the defense, use those eyes to get the defense to go where he needs them to, to then hit his open receiver, make a lot of those touch throws, being able to fit the ball in when he needs to. And a lot of people attack Joe Burrow for not having an elite arm. But yet, you know, this is a guy who has a chance to take his team, his Cincinnati Bengals, to a second Super Bowl. So C.J. Stroud in this game, 23 of 34, 348 yards and four touchdowns, also showed that he can take off and run just a little bit, you know, manipulated the pocket a little, tucked it and ran when he needed to. I thought it was a big day for C.J. Stroud overall uh, there on December 31st. And look, you know, C.J. Stroud, uh, he's going to be the second or third quarterback taken. You've got Will uh, Levis that's sitting right in there. Where's he going to go? He sat out the bowl game. Um, I, I think Will Levis, because of the, the traits, may be a little bit uh, um, a team like Indianapolis may be enamored with him being able to bring Will Levis in, maybe play behind a veteran quarterback. We could definitely see that happen. Now, Georgia Stetson Bennett, we know he was a Heisman Trophy finalist, and this is a guy that, look, you know, he threw for just under 400 yards with three touchdowns and a pick against Ohio State, really willed that team to victory. Uh, that, that team looked like they were, they, were, they were done against Ohio State, really able to lead them in the second half, ultimately getting the, the win over the Buckeyes. And look, uh, you know, Georgia really just 
uh, outclassed TCU in the, in the championship. 304 yards on 18 to 25 passing, four touchdowns. Uh, you know, Stetson Bennett isn't the biggest guy. He's only 5'11", but what he did show was uh, you know, an elite understanding of that offense, always knowing where to go with the football. He's never going to be a guy that's going to win the game for you, I think, at the next level. What you do have is a guy who is going to get himself drafted. I think he's absolutely going to be a, a day three pick. You know, his arm strength, you know, he, he can, especially on the short to intermediate throws, drive the football, something that C.J. Stroud, a lot of people give him a hard time about. But, he, you know, throwing the football down the field with, with that accuracy, you know, that's one of the things that, that uh, is going to be a concern at times. I think C.J. Setson Bennett is a guy that's going to step in and, uh, you know, he, he may be a career backup. You look at a guy like Taylor Heineke and what Heineke has been able to do. Teams are going to be looking for a guy that can fit that mold, and I think that Setson Bennett could absolutely do that. Jake Hayner was another guy for Fresno State. Had a big bowl game, uh, leading the Bulldogs to victory, and look, Jake Hayner, you have to love what this guy does out there on the football field for the Bulldogs and uh, you know you look at again Taylor Heineke this is another guy that fits that mold he's an older quarterback he's going to be 25 years of age so I know that that's going to come into play a little bit but Jake Hayner obviously you know Fresno State getting that big win in the bowl game um, you know they, they went out there and just absolutely put on a show against Washington State 29 to 6 Hayner on the day um, you know that, that stat line for him he was 24 36 280 yards two touchdowns on the day really set himself apart there uh, you know and a guy that I think is going to end up being a day three pick overall Max Duggan look you know, you're, you're going to focus on the the national title game, and you're going to give him a hard time because, look, just 152 yards, a couple of interceptions. But, look, that, that team was just outclassed. You know, they're really – he was doing everything that he could to try to uh, make a play, but those tackles were just outclassed. Uh, you know, they were able to put pressure with, with minimal rushers. Uh, and, really, when they set the house, you know, he was in trouble. Uh, but Max Duggan – uh, you know, showing again with the, with the athleticism, his ability to, to make plays outside the pocket. I think Max Duggan will be a day three pick. Um, you know, he's not going to be in, in that second round range that Andy Dalton was when he was coming out of TCU, but definitely a guy that I think is going to earn his way onto a roster, possibly be a, a, a backup, potentially even a spot starter when it's all said and done. Uh, Houston's uh, Clayton Toon, just another quarterback, just of note real quick. Um, you know, I thought Clayton Toon had a decent game, bringing that team back to victory, 23-16. Uh, 229 yards through the air, three touchdowns, was also the team's leading, uh, leading carrier on the ground, had a 33-yard run, total of 55 yards on the day. I thought Clayton Toon definitely helped himself in terms of that draft stock as a day three candidate. And I think the fact that Bo Nix, Michael Penix Jr. are coming back definitely bodes well for, for Toon uh, and, and in that potential to get drafted. Uh, looking at the running back position, obviously Frank Gore Jr. was the, the highlight of bowl season, breaking Cameron Peoples' uh, rushing record for bowl games. And look, that, that kid was just absolutely dominant. He's not going to be draft eligible. He's only a sophomore, but uh, he really willed Southern Miss to that victory over Rice uh, with 329 yards and two touchdowns on the day. But when you look at that running back position, Jameer Gibbs yet again showcasing his ability to catch the football out of the backfield, the quickness uh, between the tackles, the footwork, Jameer Gibbs, to me, number two running back, and I see him really as, a, as an early day two pick. I'm looking at Carolina sitting there in, in round number two. I think that'd be a nice pickup for them. Kenny McIntosh, another guy, look, you know, had, had five catches for 56 yards and a touchdown to go along with uh, 70 yards on just five touches there uh, on the ground for, for Georgia over Ohio State. And uh, he follows that up against TCU with another stellar performance, eight carries for, for another, I believe, uh, you know, 50 yards. Uh, but really with Kenny McIntosh, this is a guy that could do it all, you know, between the tackles, showed his ability to get to the edge and show speed outside the tackles as well. And then, uh, you know, the ability to catch the football out of the backfield. This is a guy who I think could be a, uh, a three-down back. I'm looking at the Eagles uh, at the end of the second round, especially if Miles Sanders doesn't come back. I think this is a guy that could vote, you know, if they don't decide to take Bijan Robinson in round number one, I think they can wait and take Kenny McIntosh in round number two. The best running back that nobody's really talking about is Tajay Spears. And look, Taiji Spears, you know, this was a guy who uh, single-handedly 
beat the Trojans in the Cotton Bowl Classic. 205 yards on the ground, four touchdowns. This was a guy who showed that that next level speed, being able to take the ball and take off for, for a 62-yard run. Uh, look, this guy averaged 12.1 yards per reception in that game. Also had a 14-yard reception, so he showed his ability to catch the football out of the backfield. You love the lateral agility. You love the feet in the hole as well. This is a dynamic running back. He's got that smaller frame, so he's not a guy that you know could really be that that uh, workhorse for you, but definitely a guy that's going to come in and make some plays for you. Uh, I, I thought he definitely earned himself some money um, in the bowl game. And if he's the running back that nobody's really talking about, then the number two running back on that list should be East Carolina's Keaton Mitchell. Look, only a redshirt sophomore. You know, he's a smaller back as well, but this was a guy who was dynamic against Coastal Carolina, really doing this all season long. 22 carries, 127 yards, and a touchdown on the day. Um, you know, a smaller back, so that that's really you know 5'9", just 184 pounds. Back-to-back -back seasons with over 1,100 yards on the ground. Had 1,452 yards this past season, 7.2 yards per carry. Very explosive once he gets outside the tackles. Uh, stronger uh, runner between the tackles than you would expect from a guy his size. Um, Look, he did it all there against Coastal Carolina. He's another guy that I think is going to continue to see his draft stock rise. And then how about Deuce Vaughn and what he was able to do there against Alabama? Uh, you know, obviously Kansas State, uh, you know, really ran into the buzzsaw. That is the, the Alabama Crimson Tide. I think they were there to really uh, make a statement and show everyone why they, they're still uh, one of the elite teams in all of college football everyone talking about georgia possibly passing nick saban um you know they made sure to show that that wasn't the case but deuce vaughn 22 carries 133 yards busted off an 88 yard uh touchdown and this is the guy look he hides behind the defense um and, and that offensive line and then is able to burst to the hole very patient to allow those blockers to set up their blocks once that hole opens up the man he's got that afterburner to really uh, put it into gear and, and run away from people. Um, Mohamed Ibrahim, I thought, was another guy that definitely helped his draft stock. You know, a guy that could have said, you know what, I, I don't need to play in the bowl game. We've seen a lot of other guys in a similar situation uh, decide that they weren't going to play. But Mohamed Ibrahim, you have to absolutely respect this guy. This was a dude that was you know, coming off of a knee injury, uh, but a, yet another 1,000-yard season. Showcase that, that power. Uh, only 71 yards on the ground, but definitely, you know, much respect for deciding to play in the bowl game and then being able to show what he could do um, on the ground. He's a guy to me, he'll be a day three pick, but uh, that grinder don't count him out um, when it's all said and done at the next level. Wide receivers, uh, Quentin Johnston, look, Georgia took him out of the game. But uh, he had a big, big impact against Michigan. One of the big reasons why uh, the Horned Frogs were able to go ahead and get it done. Six catches, 163 yards, and a 76-yard touchdown uh, to his credit. And when you look at Quentin Johnson, you know, what he did there uh, was attack the middle of the field, uh, uses that big size uh, to, to make some plays, but that 76-yard touchdown, it was on a third down in the fourth quarter, runs a shallow cross across the field, ball thrown out in front, extends his hands away from his body to make that catch, cuts up the field, then really switches gears, uh, breaks uh, a tackle, runs away from DJ Turner, and then has the speed to go the distance. This is a guy who potentially has that legit 4-4 speed at 6'4", 201 pounds. He's a guy that uh, is going to be talked about as a potential number one wide receiver in this year's draft class. Marvin Mims had just two catches for 77 yards, but uh, you know, again, just being able to showcase his ability to uh, to be an explosive playmaker for Oklahoma. And uh, look, he just what what I loved was his ability to um, the the route running was was really what was impressive because you saw him make a jab to the outside back to the inside then gets that outside release again gets even with the corner accelerates by him runs by him now dylan gabriel's ball was, was you know it, it hung up and the db was able to make a play on the football but still you know just showing that ability to uh the route running on that play probably one of his best routes and he didn't even end up getting the ball but uh you know he was down the sideline on a third and 15 a go route 
and uh, was able to track the football. The ball had a ton of air under it, was able to track it, caught the football over his shoulder, got a foot down before being forced out for a 46-yard gain into the red zone. Uh, so I thought Marvin Mims showcased some of that, uh, that, that explosiveness. How about uh, Tank Dell? catching the game-winning pass there from Clayton Toon to win the game. Everyone forgets about Tank Dell. I think the Blitnikoff Award, a lot of people thought that Tank Dell may have, you know, should have been a finalist, but this was a guy, um, you know, I thought in the bowl game. Just showcased again, you know, anybody that was worried about him or forgot about him, you know, he was able to showcase what he can do. Uh, A.T. Perry's an interesting guy, 6'5", 206 out of Wake Forest against Missouri and the Gasparilla Bowl. Really a fun matchup against Chris Abrams' drain there for Missouri. Uh, just really showed uh, you know, this, uh, smoothness to, to his route running. Very easy mover, attacked the football with his hands. Did a really good job adjusting to back shoulder throws. You saw the catch radius just snatching the football out of the air. I, I think uh, A.T. Perry really solidified himself as a day two pick. And then looking at a few of the other guys, uh, how about Trey Shropshire, uh, a, a guy that to me, I think has really worked his way into potentially being a, a late day three pick. Um, you know, this was a guy who just absolutely, he, he got vertical, uh, had four receptions for 120 yards and a touchdown in the first half, 26 yards per reception. Um, last year led the FBS this is a guy that just continues to get vertical and uh, you know that speed speed kills at the next level to me I think Shropshire has really solidified himself as as a, a draftable prospect I hope he gets an invite to the combine so we can see just how fast he runs six catches 183 yards and a touchdown that's 30.5 yards per reception he had a long of 49 yards so this was a dude that just continued to make plays down the football field uh, stretching the defense against Miami of Ohio in the Bahamas Bowl. Um, so he's really was a guy that I was impressed with. Elijah Cooks there for San Jose State. He transferred from Nevada. And, uh, you know, Elijah Cooks using that big body of his to make plays, um, you know, that was one of the things that I thought stood out. Now, obviously, San Jose State wound up losing the ball game. Uh, but this was a kid who just decent burst for his size, able to go up and high point the football, showcasing these really strong hands at the point of attack as well. Um, at the tight end position, I think Sam Laporta may have had the, the best overall performance uh, of the tight ends that, uh, that played in, in their bowl game. Um, when you look at Sam Laporta, he was taking on Kentucky in the Music City Bowl. Now he tore his meniscus on November 17th and has still been playing with that. Um, you know, excellent route runner, a sure-handed wide receiver. Uh, there was a play where he kept, makes a quick throw, you know, quick throw over the middle, moves well laterally to bounce it outside, broke six tackles, including a spin move to get free, then gets downfield, a stiff arm as well. And look, he's an Iowa tight end, so this is a guy that you know is going to be able to, to, to block, really good inline blocker as well. Lined up a Wildcat quarterback, had a couple of carries for, for the uh, Hawkeyes as well. To me, I think uh, Sam Laporta is probably your number six tight end. I think there's a group of five that are going to sit there in that uh, first and second round. I think Sam Laporta will probably be the first tight end taken in uh, round number three. Cameron Latu was another tight end, obviously, that uh, uh, impressed in the bowl games. Um, Latu, Bama against... K-State, and uh, Latu ends up catching a touchdown pass in that game, but what I like about Cameron Latu, look, this guy converted from the de defensive side of the football, continuing to grow at the position, not just a pass catcher, but a guy that can also uh, show, show up as a tremendous blocker as well, right? Um, you know, that was one of the things that you saw in this game was, yes, he had, I think it was 54 yards uh, through the air to go along with the touchdown, but you also saw him making blocks both as an inline tight end and also out on the outside. So Cameron Latu, to me, is going to probably be in that third round range. I thought Braden Willis also helped himself there at Oklahoma. Um, you know, what you love about Braden Willis is this is a guy that, you know, lines up everywhere for him, including Wildcat. Um, you know, really, you know, he's 6'4", 235, probably going to be that H-back type, but, uh, you know, runs great routes, excellent hands. Uh, really a good blocker as well. Gives you that versatility there on the offensive side of the football. And then uh, Mason Fairchild, uh, you know, if you're looking for a sleeper, Mason Fairchild for Kansas always seems to be that weapon 
down the seam, has tremendous hands for a guy his size, and uh, you know I think he's a pretty good blocker as well. I think Mason Fairchild has a chance to be a late day three pick. It could be a guy that sticks at an NFL roster. I think if you look at the offensive line and you talk about Georgia and Ohio State, that Peach Bowl, that was a game that you got to see Paris Johnson and, and Broderick Jones, Dewan Jones, and see what they did. And really, obviously, you know, to me, I, I don't think they disappointed. I thought that they were all guys that that uh, really excited uh, excited me, getting me really uh, focused to see what, uh, what what lies ahead. When you look at Paris Johnson, um, really got a good kick slide uh, against Jalen Carter, kept his feet moving, kept that defensive tackle away from the from the quarterback we know just how uh, good Jalen Carter can be kept those hands inside did a great job there um, you know really keeping him uh, the biggest thing that I think with with Paris Johnson you see the technique the t- technique is great um, but uh, you know a, a lot of times that change of direction um, you know he got beaten by Jalen uh, Jalen Carter a couple of times because of that lack of, uh, of that change of direction at times um, against uh, Michael Williams the freshman um, started with this kick slide and that inside leg kind of dropped to open up to the inside as the defensive end as Williams was pushing him back attacks that inner half able to attack his hands and uh, as he's trying to take that inside move Paris was able to then reset his hands under that pad level, get under that armpit, and really stifle any further rush. But you know that's the thing with with Paris Johnson is he's you know that um, the technique every once in a while will get a little sloppy. Um, he's got to watch that, watch the angles um, that he's taking. Um, but uh, I think Paris Johnson overall is a guy that's going to be that second or third offensive tackle um, that's going to be taken in the draft. When you look at Broderick Jones, um, obviously he had both TCU and Ohio State to prepare for. Very light on his feet, able to get out. You know, he, he took on a safety there at Ohio State on the edge. Very easy to pick him up. Um, you know, one of the things was. Uh, you know, he was susceptible to the inside move uh, against Zach Harris. He was easily beating him to the inside. Um, what I loved, though, was his ability to kick slide, get out, meet JT Tuimaloao, got his hands on him, the grip strength, the hands underneath, able to take him up the field and get him away from, from Stetson Bennett. Needs to watch the pad level at times. I thought there was a play there against uh, uh, JT Tuimaloao where he, he beats him to the edge, but that high pad level... Um, JT was able to, to get inside with a spin move, didn't give up on the play, got to Stetson Bennett in the pocket, ended up taking him down for a sack with Steel Chambers. Uh, but one of the things that I thought was so impressive was seeing Broderick Jones get out and pull out in front of Kenny McIntosh, getting blocks on on, on the linebacker, Tommy Eichenberg. He's getting a block on the safety. Um, you know, that was something that I thought was really impressive. Um, and, and later on, you know, that, that short memory as that offensive tackle moving laterally on his kick slide jt stri- tries to, to do a spin move to the outside able to maintain that leverage with the kick slide pick him up get those hands on him um the biggest thing is is he's got to watch the feet he's got to keep those feet moving jt didn't give up on the play and ends up getting to the quarterback and makes a hit on him as he's trying to throw so broderick you know the biggest thing is once he's moving laterally in one direction he's fine especially if they're going to try to take a a secondary move to continue to attack in that direction change of direction can be a little slow at times pad level a little bit as well but overall broderick jones just the easy mover the easiness with the way that he moves i think he's going to end up being the number three offensive tackle in this year's draft uh, when it's all said and done and then you know with dewan jones this dude is just a mammoth, dude. He's 6'8", 359. Um, shot his hands in against Jalen Carter. Locks out, but ends up getting overextended. Too far over his toes. Jalen Carter is able to beat him. Um, you know, One of the things that I loved was watching him block down on Warren Brinson. Really brought him all the way down the line. Excellent hand placement. Active feet. C- completely collapses down on Warren Brinson on another play that really just caved in that whole right side. This guy's a mammoth dude. Um, he's, he's strictly a right tackle, which is why I think he'll end up being a second rounder. But uh, team's going to get a guy that I think is going to start in the league for a long time when it's all said and done. Um, when you look at the, uh, the, the guard position, 
Steve Avila, I think, will will get beaten up at times because he's a guy that looks to manhandle you uh, with the physicality, with the strength more than anything else. There's some question marks about his his lateral quickness. Um, But I'll tell you what, I I watched him with one rep, one-on-one against Jalen Carter. You know, uses his hands to keep distance from Carter. He tried to work inside, but that hand placement on that right shoulder pad, as he was working up the field, was able to square Carter up, allow Duggan to get rid of the football. Uh, There's another play where Carter tried to attack out the outside. Does a good job showing the lateral quickness to the left. Carter works back to the inside, was able to change direction to keep him from getting any penetration. When he kept his feet under him, I thought Steve Avila looked really good against Georgia in, in that national title game. He can get beat with speed. I think that's one of the biggest things. But if you allow him to you know, utilize that strength to his advantage, really be able to, uh, to use that power in his hands, be able to really hold the point of attack, that was one of the things that I really saw. You saw him drop his anchor against Marvin Jones Jr., uh, there against Georgia and uh, was able to sustain his block for over three seconds in pass protection. Uh, so he's a guy to me that I think is just he's just a lot of fun to watch. And, um, you know, because of that physicality, you know, he'll probably end up being either a late day two or a day three pick. But it really, again, a, a lot of fun to watch. I thought that he actually really helped himself in that game, um, especially with those reps there against Jalen Carter. Um, Braden Daniels, Utah taking on... Uh, Head State in the Rose Bowl, very active hands in the run game. You saw him, uh, you know, the agility to slide to the second level to the safety. Very athletic as a as a lead blocker. Um, biggest thing is the overset against uh, the defensive end, Adisa Isaac, leaning outside, get, you know, crosses his face, gets into the backfield, able to to hit Cam Rising as he was throwing. I think really that speed is what's going to hurt Braden Daniels, a guy that doesn't have tremendous length either. He's 6'4", 297. Arms, you know, not ideal for that left tackle position. I think he's going to be a guy that's going to kick inside to guard, but I think he'll be a solid day uh, day three pick when it's all said and done. Um, when you look at that center position, I think Luke Whipler was the guy, look, especially with, now that Cedric Van Praan has said that he's, he's coming back to Georgia for another year, Luke Whipler has to be very excited. This is a guy that I think could end up being a second or third round pick and be a starter in the league for a long time. Those Ohio State centers uh, really show up well at the next level, very well coached, very athletic climbing to the second level, really a good rep against Jalen Carter getting his hands underneath the defensive tackle. Um, you know, the arms did get a little bit beyond the armpit, nearly wrapped around the defensive tackle. Um, could have been called for a hold on the play because he might have taken him down and with the, the hand placement. Got a little sloppy there, but you love the athleticism there uh, from Luke Whipler. Uh, redshirt sophomore, 6'3", 300 pounds. Um, you know, Olasegan Oluwatimi. Um, look, you know, this guy really came in and helped solidify this offensive line uh, of Michigan's. Uh, but man, uh, TCU's uh, freshman nose tackle, Demonic Williams, on a first and goal from the one, really just blew him back. Poor exchange between the running back Mullings and and uh, J.J. McCarthy. Fumble recovered by TCU in the end zone. Um, That was one of the things that I thought really stood out was uh, his ability. He was just getting blown back off the ball um, time and time again. He's really got to work on, on, on that anchor more than anything else, but he's a very intelligent blocker, a guy that, look, he, he's a highly decorated center, um, but it's one of those things that you worry about. You know, Is there some stiffness to his game? Is that why he's being blown off the ball as, as much as he was? Zach Harrison, I thought, at the defensive end position, transitioning to the defense. Um, Zach Harrison was a guy for me that I thought really helped improve his draft stock once again. In that Georgia game, um, I already mentioned what he was able to do, but he read the against the run as well. Read the the end around to Lab McConkey, left tackle blocks down. He gets up the field in a hurry, drops the receiver for a seven yard loss. Uses his length to his advantage to get the edge as well. You know, Broderick Jones beats him out of the stance. Uses that leg that length to get into the body of Jones because um, he was slow to get his hands on him. Able to use that strength bending around the edge. Nearly able to get to uh, to Stetson Bennett. Ultimately, the left guard came in to, to give some additional time for him to throw. But Zach, uh, Zach Harrison, four tackles, a half sack, one and a half tackles for loss on the day. To me, I think Zach Harrison is going to 
he could sneak his way into the end of round number one, especially if the Eagles decide to take an, uh, a defensive end there with that 31st overall pick. I think he'll end up being an early day two pick, um, but a guy that I think um, you know there's a lot of upside. I was disappointed with the way that he played last year. This year, <laughs> I'm, I'm definitely excited to see what he can do. Um, I, I thought another guy that really helped himself was Dylan Horton out of TCU. Obviously, when he, when he went up against Georgia, um, struggled with some of his reps there. But uh, against Michigan, that's really where he was uh, the standout. You know, he was able to showcase uh, you know some of that athleticism, beat the right guard Zach Zinter with an inside move, looping around uh, the linebacker Johnny Hodges blitzed, where Zinter vacated, forced McCarthy up. Horton ends up getting the sack on it. Three-man rush, able to chase down McCarthy backside, gets a strip. Uh, from behind as he's taking him down. And this guy, look, athleticism for days. 4-5-5-40, 38-inch vertical leap. Had, uh, you know, really a day against Michigan. You know, Michigan was having a hard time really putting a block on this guy. Had four sacks on the day, six total tackles, that forced fumble and a pass breakup. You know, Dylan Horton, you know, is, is an athlete. He'll probably end up being a fourth-round pick, but a guy that I think definitely showed up well. Other guys that I thought played well, uh, Lucas Van Ness out of Iowa, uh, you know, KJ Henry there for, for Clemson. You know, I, I thought when he went up against Darnell Wright, the offensive tackle there for, for Tennessee, I thought that KJ Henry struggled to get off the block. Um, I think Darnell Wright, for me, is a guy that's going to end up being a, a third-round pick. He's going to end up starting somewhere at that right tackle position. His teammate, Byron Young, I thought played phenomenally well there against Clemson. Um, really getting in and wreaking havoc in the backfield there against Kate Klubnick. Uh, obviously, we know that Tennessee ended up winning the bowl game. Um, Byron Young, it's going to be interesting to see. Is he going to be a third-round pick, fourth-round pick? He kind of fits somewhere in that, that range, but I thought he definitely had a, a nice game and had a couple of sacks on the day there as well. Um, you know, uh, Felix Anadike Uzoma was able to show some power there at the point of attack for K-State against Bama. De'Anthony Jones for Houston, able to, to get into the back. But Jordan Ferguson had some really nice reps for Middle Tennessee. Um, and then Tavius Robinson for Ole Miss was able to get a sack for, uh, for Mississippi on the day as well. Um, if you look at the defensive tackles, obviously Jalen Carter was a guy that was a man among boys. Um, you know, you saw the athleticism, you saw the power, you saw the hands. Uh, you, you saw really a little bit of everything with this guy. Um, there was a quick throw into the boundary, TCU to Quinton Johnson. Showed the quick hands to swipe, then chases into the boundary. Uh, line of scrimmage at the 20-yard line, in on the tackle for just three yards, able to chase him all the way to the sideline. Um, doesn't attack the chest of the offensive lineman. He's going to work, look to work the edges, um, but the hand swipes, the looping are, uh, around to show that athleticism, getting to the quarterback, the burst, and really using that speed to power to drive his man back into the backfield. Doesn't stay blocked. That's one of the things I thought was so impressive. You, you see him explode off the ball, beats the double team, attacks the outside shoulder of the center, quick arm over to get inside, squares, works up the field, ends up working the quarterback into a sack. Uh, it's one of those things where he just keeps that low pad level off the ball. Man, he is just so difficult um, to, 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 to block and to really keep him in front of you. And look, you know, there, there's still some, you know, the scary part is, is there's still more to his game. You know, he had four quarterback hurries there against Ohio State and then follows it up against against TCU. Just had a couple of tackles, but that really doesn't tell you the story because he was wreaking havoc on nearly every play against the Horn Frogs, unfortunately for them. Uh, now, Brian Brissee is a guy, look, you know, I think people are going to be all over the board with Brian Brissee. I think when healthy, this guy is one of the more explosive players um, at the defensive line. Our defensive tackle specifically, um, you know, what you see out of Brian Brissy is a guy who is, is very strong at the point of attack. You know, you saw him extend his arms into Darnell Wright with great leverage, anchoring, lifting under him to hold the point of attack. Um, beats Wright with his hands to the chest early, extends, gets off the block, able to get inside to pressure Joe Milton. Uh, you know, this is a guy that uh, was really given Jonathan Carvin, the right guard, all he could handle. Uh, and was able to get into the backfield, flatten a little bat, bit, get to the quarterback, his ninth sack of his career. Um, one of the things that I did see was pad level did get a little bit too high. Darnell Wright had just basically had all kinds of 
uh, jersey to, to attack, had his tire chest to attack, was able to just drive right into him, into his body, and drive him a good eight yards down the field. So that's something, you know, the stiffness in Brian Brissy is something that you worry about a little bit. Um, you know, Tuli Tui Pelotu, um, they're out of USC. This is a guy that I, I think is a first-round pick when it's all said and done. I think I'm looking at Denver there at the end of round number one. I think could potentially end up taking Tuli. Um, one of the things is is that running game. That's really the biggest thing that you worry about with him is is that ability. You know, he was frozen on his own read. Um, you know, Tajay Spears goes left, quarterback pulls it, takes off up the middle. That delayed reaction and the quarterback, Michael Pratt, ran right by him for a 40-yard 40 uh, 40-yard gain. Uh, you know, but as a pass rusher, you know that's one of the things that I thought really stood out for me, getting a push uh, on the inside of the left tackle, nearly getting to, to Pratt in the pocket. Um, you know, really attacks the edge, looks to try to bend around and get to the quarterback. Um, but it, it's really just that ability to affect the, the run and being able to be consistent there. That's really the biggest thing that I'm looking for out of Thule, and that's something that uh, you know I, I didn't see enough of in that Tulane game. Um, but I still think that pass rush ability there at the defensive tackle position is, is something that ultimately is going to get him drafted in the first round. Kobe Turner, um, you know, another guy there for for Wake Forest and somebody who I thought showed some some good explosiveness. A guy that was able to get to the quarterback a little bit there, 6'3", 300 pounds. Uh, the Richmond transfer lined up at, at nose tackle for much of the game. Uses his hands really well. He saw a slap and a swim. Uh, and able to, to get to the quarterback, you know, flushing Brady Cook from the pocket. Um, you know, just a guy that continued to, to battle, slap and rip, very active against the pass. He's a guy that I think is going to be a day three pick, but a guy that's really intriguing because of his ability to get after the quarterback. Gerard uh, Clark, um, you know, didn't really get to the quarterback a ton, didn't really make any plays effectively there for Coastal Carolina in terms of the stats, but you saw the quick burst. You saw his hands off the ball to get early penetration into the backfield, ripping underneath the, the center off the snap, really good short area burst to put some pressure on the quarterback as well. Ultimately, uh, the Chanticleer is going down to East Carolina in the Birmingham Bowl. But look, your drug Clark wears number 15, 6'4", 330, came to Coastal Carolina as a tight end, which is absolutely unreal uh, for a guy his size. Um, if you look at the outside linebacker position, I think probably the guy that had the best uh, pull might have been Darrell Johnson, you know, a guy that uh, just seemed to continually be in the backfield there from Liberty, had 22 tackles for loss on the year, which led uh, led the country. Plays that banded position, he's 6'3", 240 pounds, and really using that jab to the outside, beating the right tackle back to the inside. I think you know he really took advantage of a a, a, a right tackle that couldn't really move very well laterally and so he was really worried about that outside rush and was continually beating him back to the inside um, but what you loved was his ability he uses hands really well um, some good power in those hands and uh, being able to bend a little bit I think that's one of the things that people were worried about could he bend you saw him dipping under the tackle getting into the backfield affecting run plays in addition to getting after the quarterback but uh, Darrell Johnson for Liberty um, really put on a show and really it seemed like every time Liberty was making a play in the backfield you're going to be calling uh, Darrell Johnson's number uh, ultimately Liberty goes down to Toledo 21-19 to in the Boca Raton Bowl but uh, Darrell Johnson 9 tackles, a sack and 5 tackles for loss you know really st stood out. He'll be a day three pick because of his ability to make plays behind the line of scrimmage. Um, if you look at the inside linebacker position, Jack Campbell, another guy that didn't need to play in the draft because he was going to be a, a guy drafted in the first two days of the draft. But, uh, you know, again, showcased another double-digit tackle day. Dorian Williams uh, against USC had 18 tackles. Very active, a guy that, you know, could turn and run that sideline to sideline speed. Really showed up well for him. D. Winters from TCU, another guy that, uh, you know, he seemed to play very well coming downhill. I thought there were times when he had to, to play sideline to sideline where he got himself into trouble a little bit. But coming downhill, the instincts, especially playing the run against Michigan, um, really stood out to me. Um, Carlton Marshall, 
look, he, he's not the biggest guy by any means, but 14 tackles on the day. Look, you know, that broke the FBS tackle record. He's the guy that's going to find his way onto an NFL roster. I mean, you can you can write that down now. Um, I thought, you know, Mariano Sori Marin is a guy for, from Minnesota that's going to be a day three pick, be a, a, uh, a special team standout for someone. Ryan Smenda, another double-digit tackle day for him. Aaron Beasley had four tackles for loss. Uh, you know, a guy that really was was in the backfield quite a bit there against Clemson. Uh, I, I like Ke- uh, Kelly Ringo. Look, you know, Kelly Ringo is a guy who has tremendous size. You know, 6'2", 190 pounds, really nice length to him as well. Uh, but the knock on him is he gets beaten a lot and called for defensive pass interference a lot. And so you saw... A little bit of that against Ohio State, especially where uh, he was beaten to the inside on a lot of the in-breaking routes by Emeka Buka and uh, Marvin Harrison Jr. Um, you know, he would also uh, keep, you know get his eyes into the backfield, and receiver would take off on him. There were plays where he ended up running into the receiver. Really, just the eye discipline was lacking with him as well. Um, that's something that you have to worry about with him. But at the same time, there were also plays where he was able to remain stride for stride with his receiver, be able to flip his hips and turn and run uh, quickly. Uh, stride for stride up the sideline against Julian Fleming on a go route, was able to really force him toward the sideline um, you know, and, and played, played that well on a go route. But then there was a comeback later on in the game where Ringo... Um, gets his head around looking for the football to the inside and uh, the comeback back to the outside and ends up getting burned on that play really just seemed to be getting turned around at times there with with some of the route running Um, but for all of that this is a guy that has the ball skills um, is able to drive on the football he just needs to play with more discipline and that's really going to be the biggest thing I think at the end of the day with, with, uh, with Keely Ringo I think there's enough uh, there for him uh, to be drafted in round number one but you know that immaturity there with uh, with the way that he plays he's going to have to to kind of scale some of that back if he wants to be successful at the next level not not Trivius Hodges Tomlinson the nephew of TCU great Ladanian Tomlinson not the biggest guy by any means. He's 5'9", 177 pounds. But this was a guy that did a really good job in coverage against Michigan. I think that's one of the things that definitely stood out. Uh, very tight coverage against Cornelius Johnson. Uh, there was a comeback, able to make make a play on the football. Covered Colston Loveland, the big tight end, um, who looks like he's going to have a, a pretty nice future there for the Wolverines. He was trail cover, a trail technique uh, on a deep crossing route. Showed the speed to close, undercut the route, getting a hand in to tip the ball away. Um, you know, just always seemed to be looking to undercut the route, make a play on the football. Uh, you know, he plays bigger than his size. I think that's one of the things that definitely stands out for him. He needs to watch, you know, being too physical at times, you know, uses his hands a little bit. Um, one of the things, uh, you know, you watch him against uh, A.D. Mitchell, you know, on the outside, turns his hips, inside leverage, gets over the top of the route, physical at the top of the route, forces the receiver into the sideline. Uh, so for me, it's something that I, I think – he, he does a really good job of continuing to work on that outside. Um, you see that press. He stays square with the receiver, jab to the outside, plants, and goes back inside. And uh, you know that's one of the things that you see him continuing to close quickly, even if there is separation, drives inside the route, able to make a play on the football. I think Hodges Tomlinson's the guy, you know, because of his lack of, of, of size, is likely going to fall to day two of this draft uh, probably maybe even to the third round but a guy that I think is going to uh, showcase some, some pretty nice ball skills there at the next level uh, Emmanuel Forbes another guy that didn't need to play in the bowl game but uh, did so anyway he did get hurt in the game which I thought was kind of a bummer um, but look he was physical with the receiver after he was you know had the ball in his hand so you didn't see any yak at all uh, stayed square to his receiver off the ball turns and runs with the receiver in phase right off the hip uh, read the receiver screen drove downhill off the snap ran by the tight end block on the perimeter ultimately just forced the quarterback to throw it away uh, playing Illinois in the Reliant West Bowl 
Look, 6'4", 180 pounds. Emmanuel Forbes, to me, is a guy that could be a first-round pick. I think will probably end up falling to, to the second round, but is a, a high-quality corner who could end up being a starter when it's all said and done as well. Um, USC's Makai Blackman. Uh, they're against... Tulane, obviously, SC fans weren't too happy uh, with the outcome here, but for Makai Blackman, look, six foot, 175 pounds, uh, covering Deuce Watts and man coverage. He was in phase, beaten early, recovered well. Uh, as the receiver's eyes got big, head around late uh, to the inside, able to locate the football, break up play as well. Um, you saw him get off a block and able to wrap up the quarterback on the outside as well. Uh, you know, Taji Spears. You know, tried to cut it to the inside of, of Blackman on the perimeter, was able to get a hand in to punch the ball free as well. I think Blackman's a guy that is continuing to get better and better. Um, third, fourth round range is not out of the question for him. I think he's definitely a guy that's improved his draft stock for sure, showing some really good ball skills there for the Trojans. Other corners who caught my eye, how about Marshall's Stephen Gilmore, the younger brother of Stephon Gilmore, uh, Daryl Luter, uh, and Mike Sainer still the... Uh, the nickel there for, for Michigan. Those were guys that definitely caught my eye. And then if you look at the safety position, Brian Branch to me is a guy that, you know, you don't see corner or safeties that are drafted in the top 10 very often. But the way Brian Branch is making plays, um, you know, K-State and the Sugar Bowl you know, was, was no different. You know, you saw the, the, the quick click and close ability, arriving at the football with such physicality, uh, you know, covering... Uh, against the run play, keeping outside leverage, beats the block of the receiver Malik Knowles, able to get outside versus Deuce Vaughn, gets downhill to ultimately wrap the running back up for a loss of three yards, didn't allow the running back to get to the edge on the perimeter, uh, shoots in off the edge, beats the block of the running back, DJ Giddens to the inside, runs right by him and drops Deuce Vaughn in the open field for another loss of three yards. Um, there's a play where Will Anderson uh, beats the left tackle on a third and eight play from the K-State 14. He's able to jump the route inside of, of the receiver, Malik Knowles, for the pick. Really sitting back, playing over the slot. The receiver runs a dig. Um, again, sitting over the top of that route to the inside. Reads the quarterback's eyes. And uh, you know Knowles was outside the numbers. Uh, and from a step inside the hash, reads that throw, undercuts it, makes the pick. He's a blitzer. He's a tackler. He's instinctive in zone coverage. Uh, a guy that can make plays behind the line of scrimmage as well. To me, he's a total package. This game just, you know, just furthered the argument that this is a guy that should be drafted in the top half of round number one. Uh, really a lot of fun to watch Brian Branch play. He wasn't the only guy that I was impressed with, though. A, a guy that I think has continued to improve his draft stock is Christopher Smith uh, out of Georgia. People talk about uh, you know Antonio Johnson all season long, but Christopher Smith has been about as consistent as it comes. Uh, a guy who is very intelligent, takes excellent angles to the football, reads uh, the 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 offense and understands the play that's you know, as it's happening and, and look there's a jet sweep to the wide side and he knew exactly where Darius Davis was going comes flying downhill from depth to get to the outside and as Darius Davis was trying to turn the corner and get to the edge Smith was able to rip the ball free recovered by Georgia which led to a field goal Georgia goes up 10 nothing. Ultimately, we know what happens. Georgia wins 65-7. to But Christopher Smith, a leader on the defensive side. He's not the biggest guy, 5'10", 185 pounds, but just an intelligent safety. Just makes a ton of plays and uh, just really a lot of fun to watch. Uh, Jordan Battle. You know, look, the list of, of Bama players that did not opt out of the um, – bowl game I thought it was really tr tremendous and I, I think kudos to Nick Saban for getting these guys to do this Jordan Battle looks 210 pounds three-year starter um, you know this was a guy that uh, um, you know Will, Will Howard dropped back took a hit from Byron Young as he threw it Battle was able to get from the hash to the sideline undercutting the running back Deuce Vaughn on a wheel route elevated to the high point of that football for the interception uh, you know, Jordan Battle to me is a guy that's going to be that, that second or third round range and be a, a safety with with uh, starting um, you know that, that starting potential early in his career 
I think when you look at uh, Jair Brown out of Penn State, this was another guy that I thought played very well in that Rose Bowl game against Utah, able to get downhill in a hurry, blitzing off the edge. Uh, you know, there's another play where he, he read the quarterback leaking out on, on an end around by Devon Vele, took away that that throwback to, to the receiver, to the quarterback, excuse me, and ultimately Vele was thrown for a nine yard nine yard loss. Um, on the outside, showed the burst to get to to the quarterback as he was releasing it. Um, blitzes through the a gap, uses an arm over uh, to beat the right uh, the running back Micah Bernard. Get to Barnes for the sack as well. Very an act, very active safety. Uh, another guy who's sub you know six foot at that safety position, 5'11", 205. Very active and a guy that makes a lot of plays on the football. And then there's uh, there's, there's Jamie Robinson and uh, a guy who just. Look, another senior didn't need to play in the bowl game against Oklahoma, the Cheez-It Bowl, but wanted another game there uh, at Florida State, 5'11", 203. It seemed like number 10 was all over the football field. You know, he was downhill, blitzing the quarterback, able to break down, change directions. Uh, you know, Dylan Gabriel tried to get from the outside to, to avoid him and get back to the inside. Robinson was able to stay under control, get to the quarterback for that sack. Um, you start, you know, saw him to, to rush from the from the box, initially blocked by the right guard, uh, McCabe Matower, uses his arm over to get off the block, gets downhill to sack Dylan Gabriel as well. Very active box defender against the run, 86 tackles, led uh, Florida State, and, and a guy that just, you know, he, he has a lot of range. He makes plays sideline to sideline, um, you know, plays you know multiple positions for the Seminoles as well I think he's a guy that could end up uh, you know very high uh, high character player a guy that I think can end up leading a secondary uh, at the the next level you know in very short order Uh, came over from from South Carolina and uh, immediately really commanded some respect there on the back end of that defense so there you have it a very brief recap of the Bulls uh, you know, there are a lot of other guys that, that were standouts and we could really get into more detail with a lot of these players. But, you know, those were just a few guys that I thought really had standout performances um, that are draft eligible this year and uh, guys that you know, I, I'm excited to continue to study throughout this draft process. Uh, the next podcast that we're going to have here in just a couple of days is to take a look at all of the underclassmen and what they do for the the draft class. So we're going to take a look at it position by position. We'll talk through um, really where everybody stands. Obviously, you look at like the quarterback position, and you've got it. You know, Jaron Hall um, is a, a a guy that decided to enter his name into the draft class, but you've got Bo Nix and Michael Penix Jr. who decided not to. So what does that mean for, for Jaron Hall? It's probably a good decision, um, but we'll go ahead and take a look at that. Uh, among others, you look at the running back position. There are a lot of underclassmen that have decided to declare this year. Um, receivers, tight ends, uh, really across the board. Uh, and so there's a lot to talk about there, a lot to really unpack, and we'll make sure to do that in short order here uh, coming up, like I said, in the next couple of days. So I hope everyone has enjoyed their time. Um, NFL playoffs in full swing, conference championships right around the corner. That means that the NFL draft order for the first round really starting to take shape We'll be able to put together that mock draft here. Uh, already have an idea in the first two rounds where I'm going with some of the picks. So uh, you know, I'll be able to bring that to you here uh, in the coming weeks as well. So until next time, for readyforthedraft.com, this has been the Ready for the Draft podcast. I've been your host, Greg Schutz. Take care, everyone. Enjoy your weekend. Until next time, I am out.